Hey, good people. Welcome back to another episode of Training Well Done, your podcast on the what, the why, and the how of quality training. This is your host, Coach Donald. Hey, um, I'm on my way home. I just got in a double header today. I went and hit um, some four-mile repeats. I did four one-mile repeats. Um, And then I went to the gym and got some lifting in. So that was dope. And I feel good, and I wanted to talk. And so real quick before I get into the nitty-gritty, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Community Forge. I got a fundraiser going on right now. You can check the link in the bio. Community Forge is where Global Human Performance, my coaching business, has been for the last several years. And so I'm raising $1,000 for them. We're almost halfway there. They do amazing work in the Wilkinsburg community for families. They do a lot of work for entrepreneurs throughout the Pittsburgh area and really being able to help people who are bootstrapping, just like I did, be able to get on their feet, get uh, some business education and be able to have a platform to grow and learn. So check out Community Forge. Um, They do great work. And yeah. And then the other thing, hey, right now we're hiring from marketing directors. So if you know anybody who is into endurance athletics, uh, because that's a big part of our market, who's uh, into running, who's into sports in general, though, um, and, you know, is, in, is a marketer, please send them our way. We're looking for somebody who is self-disciplined and great at writing, good at social media, and they can get out and network and meet people and have those boots on the ground. So if that person is you or somebody you know, please have them come and check out the link in the bio for my job posting. Hmm. Let me hit some water real quick. So. Uh, let's, let's hop into it. So I want to talk about different types of runs, right? Uh, for when it comes to improving your endurance as an endurance athlete. So I'm going to cover a few different things. All right. Because for most people, you know, going out the run is going out the run, like it'll help you with your endurance. But as you really start building a good base and you want to become more competitive or you just want to see yourself run faster, what got you here might not be what gets you there. And so you really want to take a look at how fast you're running, how much volume you're doing, and being able to train accordingly, right? We're not going to get too complicated about it, but I do want you to understand some different things that go on. Some of you might be youth athletes who are very talented and, you know, wonder why your coaches do different workouts. So we'll explain some of that. Um, a lot of my running education background is partially just due to my degree in exercise physiology, like we just learn about this stuff in physiology. And the other, but the big part of it in tactical level of running, uh, I do the Jack Daniels VDOT. Uh, I do not have a VDOT certification. I'm eventually going to do that one of these days. But that is like the book I follow. That is how I organize things. So I will talk about that. And now having this Garmin watch, uh, I, I've been joking with people that I sold my soul for a Garmin watch a while back. And that gives me all this data. And so it makes it really fun to even think about these things on a different level. So let's start with our base running. All right. So at the bottom of the pyramid, so to say, the widest part of the pyramid where most of your mouth should come in, base running. This is running at a pretty conversational pace that helps build up your general aerobic abilities. General aerobic abilities, what's that? So when you're building up your aerobic ability, you're doing two primary things. You're getting your heart stronger so it can pump more blood, all right? For those of you who are a little bit more nerdish, we call this cardiac output, all right? 
cardiac output um, in simple terms is pretty much within a certain set of time, how much blood can your heart pump? All right. So a strong heart doesn't have to take a lot of heartbeats to get blood spread around the body. So you might notice as you get in better shape, your heart rate, your resting heart rate drops. And what you'll notice is your ability to lower your heart rate while you're working hard improves. So as your heart gets stronger, when you're at rest, it can push out so much blood per pump that the heart rate actually just drops because it just doesn't need to beat as fast. And then when you are working hard, your heart rate can drop a lot faster when you're done because your heart's so strong that once you're done stimulating the body from your training, it can recover a lot faster. And when you're doing, whether you're playing ultimate frisbee, you're playing soccer, you're playing tennis, playing football, being able to get your heart rate to come down psychologically helps you stay in control, but also physiologically, that helps you with reserving your energy because generally if your heart rate's really high, that means your ventilation, your breathing's probably really high, which also ties to your perceived effort, which is probably really high, which at the end of the day means you're burning a lot more calories. Um, and if you're burning a lot more calories in, in a sport, that means you're going to run out of energy sooner. So that is one part of what base running does. It helps. And this also applies to things like cycling, um, to some extent swimming, although swimming is really not my forte, so I'm not going to overstep my boundary there, but it does apply to cycling. And so... The other aspect is it improves the capillaries that are in your muscles. What is a capillary? So if you look at your forearm right now, if you're built anything like me, you can see a bunch of veins, right? You have veins and arteries. Arteries take blood to the, to, away from the heart to your organs, and then veins take the blood away from your organs and returns it to the heart. So arteries have blood with oxygen, and then the veins have blood with CO2, okay? Your arteries, usually you can't see um, because they're usually buried a little deeper. And your veins also, to some extent, kind of pull blood. Uh, so they're also easier to see due to that. At any rate, capillaries are the transition points from where arteries and veins meet. Capillaries are microscopic. So you generally, like if you took somebody's, if you took somebody's artery just out of their arm, and you like pulled it until it became a vein, there'd be a certain point where you can't really see it very much anymore because the capillaries are that small. Uh, I'm not going to get into the physiology of capillaries, but just know that the more capillaries you have, the more oxygen you can get to the muscle because the capillaries are where nutrients get exchanged between muscles and also organs, but between your blood vessels and your organs. And the organ we're talking about right now are the muscles. So the oxygen finally goes into the muscle and the sugar from your blood finally goes into your muscle once the um, blood vessel gets small enough to become a capillary. And then the carbon dioxide, what you breathe out, that is waste product as a part of your body working, right? That gets put into the capillaries at that level so it goes into your veins, all right? If you don't have a lot of these, guess what you can't do? Get oxygen to the muscles. So you can have great ability to breathe in, um, you know, oxygen or whatnot. But if you don't have enough capillaries, your muscles are going to get tired really fast. Again, the more capillaries you have, the more oxygen you have. The more oxygen you have in your muscles, then the more energy efficient you can be. 
essentially that when you're doing aerobic exercise or competition, more oxygen allows you, how do I say this in a better way? You have for, for a handful of carbs, right? For a handful of carbs, more oxygen allows you to cut it into smaller chunks and each chunk matters the same. So let's say I had a, you look at your hand, you got a, just a handful of carbs, right? If you are somebody with not a lot of capillaries, let's say I just cut it into fourths, right? And each fourth is equal to a certain amount of energy you can get from it. All right, that's how much you can only got four bouts to spend, right? Let's say you are somebody with a lot of capillaries and instead of four, you can cut that handful of carbs you're looking at into 40 pieces. So now you have 40 pieces. Let's say those each of those 40 pieces is worth the same amount of energy output as one of those four from the person without much capillary density. That is why you need an aerobic base because the more oxygen you can get in, then the more each piece of carbohydrate can get you more energy. And I'm not gonna get into the science of that, this is how it works, right? So base running, getting your base miles helps with building up your heart's ability to pump blood to the muscles and building up your capillaries so you, all that blood that your heart's pumping, your body can get more oxygen out of it. And you need a lot of that, okay? Um, recovery runs are similar to base running, but they're usually uh, less miles. They usually tend to be slower. And uh, recovery running also is really primarily there to help with getting blood flow to the muscles. When you do a hard workout, you build up, you know, that fatigue and that soreness. There's like physical metabolites that make you fatigued. There's things that go on in your muscles that make you sore. So being able to do a recovery run allows you to get blood in there. And what the blood going in there does for you is allows you to wash that stuff out, right? It's recovery runs are like cleaning your bathtub. Think about it like that, okay? You took a shower, you were nasty, and so you do, uh, but that was like an intense water bout, right? You use a lot of water to take a nice clean shower. Well, when you do a recovery run, you're using less water to just clean out the tub. All right, so those are two examples of low intensity runs. And the other thing that your base running can do for you that I would like to mention is it also builds up your dump truck. You know, you hear me talk about dump trucks a lot when it comes to strength training. Well, base running helps with your ankles and knees and hips and all that helps with their ability to tolerate more training, right? Um, you know, there's limits on how much base running you can do, but there's also limits on how much strength training you can do. So there's an optimal range, but the optimal range is most of your miles. And, and so, you know, there's a lot more science uh, and, or even just anecdotal coaching evidence about how much you should increase. It's outside the scope of this, but the base running helps with your body's ability to tolerate running. If you went out and ran full speed five days in a row, you'd be in for a world of hurt. Um, but there are runners who can, who you know, who can run really fast and do it a lot in vert and in spurts, but they are really well conditioned because they do a lot of base running and they might seasonally do a lot more intense work. All right, so that is mostly like true aerobic work. Let's transition into stuff with we loosely in a super general term called tempo work, right? And there's a lot of different things and a lot of different ways that coaches will describe tempo work. So I'm going to talk about VO2 max runs. I'm going to talk about 
threshold runs. I'm going to talk about interval runs, okay? Um, so when it comes to, let's start with threshold runs. So these are um, still aerobic runs, but they're a lot faster. Generally, these are going to be at a pace that you can run for about 30 to 40 minutes. That's challenging. And depending on your fitness level, that could be also just what you could do five or four or five or six miles at. That will be challenging. The more fit you are, the better it's a, you're, you should probably use the metric of a 10K or a 40 minute run um, as a metric for a threshold pace. If you're less fit or you're much uh, slower, then look at something to the tune of what you could do for about four miles, five miles. And so where you can do it, but it was a good challenge, right? And if that is as far as you can run, um, you may not really need to spend much time doing any of these intense workouts. So if you're somebody who like four miles is the most I can do, you don't need to worry about any of the stuff I'm about to talk about. You need to do more base miles, right? I'd like you to be able to do six, seven, eight miles um, without dying before you start really getting into much speed work. Not to say you have to be fast for eight miles, but you guys just be able to do it. So at any rate, um, that's just my own thing. That's not, you know, those other coaches might disagree. That's just my thing. So threshold runs, right? The goal of these runs is to now, uh, with these these more intense runs, is improving your body's ability to clear out what we call lactate. You probably hear people talk about lactic acid. Lactic acid, it's a real thing. It's a little bit of a misnomer from the best physiological evidence that I've been able to read and study. Your body does not actually produce lactic acid and have it sitting in your muscles. It's very nuanced, all right? For all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter to you, but I just love getting this out every time I can. Your body produces lactate as a process of basically your muscles using your carbs. When you're doing exercise at an intense rate, your body, um, one of the end products of burning your carbs is lactate. And then your body actually sends the lactate out your out of the muscle to your liver to make more sugar because lactate is sugar. The acid is actually that it's a byproduct of the metabolism of the carb that increases how many hydrogen ions are in your body. Yo, Donald, Coach Donald, what are you talking about? If you remember like high school chemistry class, basically if you think about stomach acid, right? HCl, hydrochloric acid, pretty much the hydrogen that goes next to certain types of chemicals makes it an acid, right? So if you have a lot of hydrogens in, in your body, um, that is acidic, right? And they strip molecules. Oh my God, we're going down in the weeds. So basically, going back to the threshold runs, they help you with building your lactic tolerance, your lactic threshold. And essentially, the reason that we talk about lactic acid is in like a scientist, when they're training people, they, when they draw blood, they're actually looking at the lactate in the blood from the muscle because the lactate can be a monitor of how much acid's in there because they go together, like they go together. And for all intents and purposes, it's called lactic acid, right? So as the lactic acid builds up, it makes your body not want to function, right? Think about hitting the wall, right? If you're a sprinter and you run the 400, you hit that wall on the second curve. If you're somebody running a 5K and you're running really fast, Right at the end of that second lap, I mean, that second mile going into the third mile, you get punched in the face, right? Um, or, you know, everybody in the marathon, you talk about 
hitting that wall at like mile 20 around there. So this is part of that whole lactate uh, threshold. When you go past it, your body cannot keep up with energy production and you also cannot clear it out of the body. And basically all those fatigue byproducts, they make your muscles want to shut down, right? Um, now you can mentally push through that, but only but so far. And so when you do threshold running, it's called a threshold run. At least that's how Jack Daniels calls it because it improves your threshold to tolerate the lactate, right? So really what happens is when you're working hard, let's say you're racing or you're training really hard, your body literally takes baking soda, like quite literally takes its own version of baking soda and pours it in your muscles. And what it does is it breaks it down into, guess what? Carbon dioxide and water, all right? And it shuttles it out of the muscle, all right? You breathe off the carbon dioxide and then that water goes into the bloodstream. Well, um, once you cross the lactic threshold, that means that your body does not have enough baking soda to be able to handle the building lactic acid that's coming. And so now you become overrun with lactic acid and that timer starts ticking. So threshold workouts help with building your tolerance. You essentially run at a pace where you are building up a little bit more lactate and all the ensuing workouts that we're talking about, you build up a little bit more lactate than you can tolerate. And you can do these thresholds, let's say it's like a hard 20 minute run. Those are one thing that I really love to do with endurance athletes, hard 20 minute runs um, at your 10K pace or even a little faster, because what those do is 20 minutes a good time to really challenge that without adding too much speed load to the body. Because um, a 10K, uh, if you run a 10K hard, that is pretty close to what we call a VO2 max. And so um, we'll get to that in a second. So threshold runs, or they are, they can be repeat five minute, repeat 10 minute runs. Again, at this hard pace for that, that you would, that would be hard for you to run four miles or 40 minutes at, or, you know, six miles or so in that range. I mean, there's looseness to this, right? Um, let's talk about VO2 max runs, right? So what is VO2 max? VO2 max stands for the volume of oxygen that your body can um, utilize within a certain time frame. And when we think about, there's absolute VO2 max and there's relative VO2 max. Generally, larger people have a higher absolute VO2 max, but they also use relative VO2 max, which is based on body size because I think that's a better metric most of the time. You're like, Donald, you lost me. So based on your body size, relative VO2 max is the volume of oxygen that your body can use within a certain amount of time, right? Usually it's like, I think a minute. And so people who are really good to strong runners and endurance athletes have really high VO2 maxes and people who don't exercise at all have very low VO2 maxes. And this all goes back to, again, your heart strength as well as your capillary density, all right? Um, the more of both of those you have, then the higher your VO2 max can go. And there's a secret factor I have not brought up that happens with threshold runs, that happens more with VO2 max runs, and that really happens with interval runs. And I'll get there once we get to the interval runs. Um, VO2 max. Some people might call this aerobic power, right? 
running at VO2 max, um, you're generally going to be uh, about a 5K pace. Um, you're, I'm sorry, 10K pace. 5Ks are usually a little faster than VO2 max uh, if you're running them really hard. Uh, those are very strenuous. But when you're working on this, you're challenging your body now to be able to uh, perform at a very high level of being able to take in oxygen, being able to utilize that efficiently with energy, and then being able to, again, challenge this lactic threshold. So it's a more intense version of working on that. Uh, but this also really improves your ability and your body's comfortability with working at high intensity or high speed aerobically. All right. So compared to a threshold run, which can help with improving your VO2 max, these runs are a lot faster, right? So when you're working on that, you're typically running somewhere in between a 5K pace and a 10K pace. So like while a VO2 max run might be at like your 10K pace, roughly, that's just kind of like a, to some extent, it's a rule of thumb. Well, if you want to improve that, you got to run a little faster than that. So by running a little faster than that, you're now running at, you know, let's say if you're somebody who can go and run 10K at 8.30 pace and a 5K, you might be running at like 7, 7.30. Um, you're probably going to be doing your VO2 max runs at like eight minute pace, right? A little bit under eight minute pace. And these can be done in a variety of ways. You can go for a really hard 10 to 20 minute run. You can do five minute interval runs. I did today a VO2 max run. And what I did was I did four one mile intervals. So I did, um, for me, my, so my recorded 10K pace is like 7.11, but that was during the Pittsburgh Great Race. And if you know anything about that, it's downhill. My true pace is probably around 7.20 to 7.30. And so when I've been doing my VO2 max runs or my cruise runs, I'm finding that, I'm sorry, when I do my cruise runs, or my threshold, I'm sorry, my threshold runs, it's a style of threshold run. I keep running about 7.30, 7.20. So I realize that's about what I can do. So today I ran my VO2 max runs, my one mile intervals at like six, um, 6.37 for all four miles. And that is actually a little faster than my 5K pace. So depending on your fitness and your speed, that run might be even a little faster than your 5K pace, honestly. So it could be a little faster than 5K pace, 5K pace or a little slower. There's some range in there, but that's how I did those. So I did one mile intervals. They were tough, but they didn't die, right? VO2 max runs are challenging, but you don't feel like they're going to die. And I would call it probably like a six or seven out of 10 on an intensity scale of 10 being like, bruh, I'm about to pass out. One being like, I think I'm walking around. So VO2 max runs. Let's talk about interval runs. All right, interval runs. This is real deal speed work, right? Interval runs are now pushing like faster than 5K pace. You might even be pretty close to a mile pace when you're doing interval runs. These are meant to be, if, and there's also range where you start getting into sprinting. So like you might getting into like half mile runs, quarter mile repeats, even 200s if they're good enough. So like Coach Kyla and I on, um, on Saturday, we ran 200s. I did 12 200s and I ran them at about 35 seconds each, uh, which is a far cry from my abilities as a sprinter in high school and college. 
but it's the best shape of my life in that regard. So I did 12 by 35, 12 200 by th- at 35 seconds each. So that would be like a 440 mile pace. So I did my intervals significantly faster than I can run them. I could probably run sub six minutes, but probably not sub 540. I mean, that would be nice to be able to run sub 540, but I don't, I don't know if I got that in there. I haven't time trialed it though. Um, interval runs, again, they challenge this lactic threshold a lot. The whole point of an interval run is to run really fast so you, your body, A, neuromuscularly can run really fast, but um, physically, uh, when it comes to like aerobic and, and now we're talking, really talking about a lot about anaerobic ability because anaerobic means being able to work without oxygen, right? When you, the faster you start sprinting, the more your anaerobic system kicks in. This, uh, and lactic threshold is an, an anaerobic, it's, your improving your anaerobic ability helps with dealing with lactate as well. So interval runs, the whole point of it is to go significantly past your lactic threshold, and then you have a short rest. And every rep you do, you have a rest that clears out most of it. But every rep you do, you have a little bit left and a little bit more left and a little bit more left. So like when I was doing those 12 runs, that first two or three, I felt regular regular after each one. Now I had a minute and a half rest, but we can talk about how to adjust that later. So, you know, I felt regular regular after the first few. And then like once I got to like six, seven, I started, my legs started feeling heavier because now I'm not clearing as much of that lactic uh, acid out. And by the time I got to like, 9, 10, 11, especially like 10, 11, 12, now my legs are a lot heavier. And so in order to actually maintain pace, you have to work harder. And being able, and the whole point of it is you have to work harder to maintain your pace. But as you work harder, you're spending more energy and you're pushing your lactic uh, abilities and build up a lot more. And so you get to a certain critical point where you start to tap out and you hit the wall. And it's a mental battle to fight through that wall. So interval running helps with speed and helps with building up your ability to clear lactate. Now, between your interval runs, your VO2 max runs, and your threshold runs, let's, let's recap. We have, from the bottom, we have base runs. We also have recovery runs. Um, base runs, recovery runs, all right? Those are our real, like, true deep aerobic work. We have our threshold runs. We have our VO2 max runs, and we have our interval runs, right? Those start getting into anaerobic, I mean, sorry, aerobic power, and those interval runs start getting into uh, anaerobic abilities, okay? And that is an ascending pyramid of what you should be doing. That, that means is, like I said, most of your miles should be base miles. Um, your anaerobic work should not, your interval runs should not take up the majority of your training unless you're in a peaking stage. But for the most part, most of the miles you do should be like that. Now, I want to give you this last piece of information that I think will be very crucial. So base running and recovery running helps with building up heart strength and your capillary uh, density primarily. These um, threshold VO2 max and especially the interval runs they help build up one more thing, and it relates again to this lactic threshold. Your number of mitochondria in your muscles. You go back to high school biology class, mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, right? The mitochondria, these little engines in your muscles, um, 
people who do like biological history and evolution, they say that uh, part of what helped life become life was the emergence of mitochondria with like other living cells to make cells actually be able to perform better. This is like billions of years ago or something like that. Um, I'm not going to get into the weeds of that because I don't really understand it, but I remember that that was like a big thing. So at any rate, um, your body, when you do this type of training uh, intensely, your body is getting kicked in the face, right? You do your threshold and cruise runs are like six and seven out of 10. You do your VO2 max run, which might be like seven, eight out of 10. And then you do your uh, uh, interval runs and they're like nine out of 10. Um, They can be eight or nine out of 10. It really depends on the intervals. Um, And then, you know, if you start sprinting into the intervals and going like, you know, almost full speed, you're talking nine out of 10, 10 out of 10, right? Well, the further you push that up, because uh, those intervals, you know, it, in the world of running, we can break those down further. But, you know, as you get much faster than like, faster than your mile pace intervals, and you're starting to get into sprinting, there's more nuance that we can get into in sprinting, but we're not going to go there. So as you get into these runs, your body's taking a beating. And the adaptation of what your body does, even with base running, is, hey, you got me there, champ. You got me good. But I'm going to come back better. When you do base running, coming back better means a stronger heart and more capillaries. When you're doing these interval runs, um, coming back better means your body actually makes more mitochondria. Earlier, we talked about how you have a handful of carb, right? And people with low aerobic abilities only have four pieces of carb. And people with high levels of aerobic ability can have 40 pieces of carb in that same hand. Now, yes, those 40 pieces, each of those is smaller than the big four. But because of their ability to use oxygen, those little ones of those 40 can have the same energy output as the big ones of just the four. And so the reason for that is mitochondria. The more mitochondria you have in your muscles, then the more oxygen your body can use. Let me say that again. The more mitochondria you actually have in your muscles, then the more of the oxygen you're breathing in you can actually use. You can have two people who do a lot of base running. One of my athletes is battling with that right now. I was just talking to him, and he's not running at whip because he's running really bad. He said, the coach does not do any speed work. He said, all they do is base mile easy running. You can have all that base miles and the strong heart and all the capillaries all you want. If you don't have enough mitochondria, you can't use it. You cannot use the oxygen if you don't have enough mitochondria. Think about um, Kipchoge, right? Yes, he's a fantastic base, obviously. But to be able to run at those speeds, the type of lactic that builds up, that man's muscles probably have an uncanny high amount of mitochondria in those to be able to clear out the, um, to, not, not to clear out the lactic, to be able to bring in oxygen. The more oxygen your muscles can use, the more aerobic your body stays. The less mitochondria you have, the faster you go into anaerobic state. The fat, when you're in an anaerobic state, you burn through calories a lot faster. That's why when it comes to weight loss, all the craze is around HIIT workouts and not doing running or walking, right? Because when you do HIIT workouts, you can burn more calories. 
Um, there is more nuance when it comes to weight loss, but that is why that is physiologically why the craze is around hit workouts and not like, hey, just go on the treadmill and run for an hour, right? Because yeah, when you're in an anaerobic state, you burn calories a lot faster. I mean, dramatically faster. So when you have more mitochondria and you can use more oxygen, you burn the calories a lot slower. And the more intense your workouts are, the more you're going to be building up these mitochondria. Um, I have to leave this in here because I grueled for two years of grad school learning this as well as went into debt to learn this. So I am going to tell you about this. All right. PGC1-alpha. That is a gene that gets coded when you do interval training, whether you're cycling, whether you're running, whatever. PGC1-alpha is uh, a gene that actually it causes the precursor for your body to create mitochondria. And so when you do interval workouts, your body expresses this gene and then your body begins to undergo the process of creating more mitochondria. And being able to train consistently helps because my PGC1-alpha has a half-life of 48 hours, right? So that what a half-life is in chemistry basically means that in, at, the, at that half, at that time point, there's half as much of it expressed. And then that, you know, I think, I don't know if it's logarithmically or just, I don't know how it works. Uh, so I'm not going to overspeak. Maybe just like having it each time. But yeah, you know what? It's not logarithmic. It's just every time that 48 hours goes, you have half and half as much. So being able to do some sort of speed work every three days, two, three, four days can help you be able to build this up, right? Um, so I have to just say that because I spend a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of stress and a lot of frustration learning that, okay? So you're going to learn this, all right? PGC1 alpha. That's the reason that you can run fast from doing interval workouts. And what does that all do at the end of the day? The base running helps you have the ability to run long. The speed work, your threshold runs, your VO2 max runs, and your interval runs help you have the ability to run at a faster pace. All right. Being able to clear out lactate better, being able to utilize more of the oxygen you are bringing in helps you run at a faster pace. If you can clear out the lactate and it takes you more effort and more speed to build up to the same level of lactate, well, welcome to being faster. If you can utilize more of the oxygen you're breathing in, then you can also keep your lactate down because you stay in an aerobic state. So it all works together. It's all connected, like the show Manifest says all the time. So um, just final recap. We have our pyramid. We have our base running. We have our recovery running, which is truly just aerobic work. We have our threshold running. We have our VO2 max runs. We have our interval runs. And that builds up into the pyramid of types of runs that you can do. All right. And as you go up the pyramid, you get to run faster. You get is more intense and that means you also have to do them less and you have to recover more okay um there's nuance about how much you should do in a general training state if you're running five days a week you should probably should be doing three days of base running with one of those base runs being a really long run that makes up almost half of those miles 
not maybe not almost half, I might be wrong, uh, makes up a significant portion of those miles, I should say. All right, so your long run should make up significantly, a significant portion of those runs, um, anywhere from a quarter to a third to even half, depending on your fitness and your abilities and your tolerance. And then those other two days can be speed work. Um, and depending on your current fitness and abilities, you might want to just stick with threshold runs, but you can, you know, drop a couple of VO2 max runs in there and you can drop some intervals in there every now and again because the threshold runs will trigger the pgc1 alpha it will trigger your body's ability to build up mitochondria it's just not so intense all right you won't get as much of an effect but you will get an effect so that is uh the show for today i know that was a more in-depth one so um maybe i should have told you to pull out a notepad um make sure you like subscribe share this with a friend and when you go out with your coaches you know talk to them about this now, you will find that some coaches call these things differently, all right? Some coaches who are way more advanced than me at endurance coaching, um, or maybe not just more advanced, they might just have a different school of thought. They might call these things slightly different. They're probably going to be very similar, but they might categorize things a little differently. Like I said, this is from the VDOT, from Jack Daniels. Someone with the Roadrunners uh, of America, or, you know, they might have um, a slightly different take on it. Um, you might find people who don't know nothing about nothing, so they're going to be like, what? I just know they make you run fast sometimes and make you run slow sometimes, right? Um, you know, sorry, you got to deal with that. But, <laughs> yeah, so talk to your coaches. Engage with, with them. Or think about the workouts that you're doing, all right? And if you have more questions, shoot me a line. You know, my email is donald at ghperformance.com. So a few times I'm going to put this on here. But if you just look me up, you'll find my email anyways. So, uh, just you check out on Instagram at coach underscore Donald, where you can learn a lot more cool things. And I'm going to holler at you later. So get out, train hard, and holla.